the fabulous WSUM Madison Studios, it's Do It Live, hosted by the Do It Geeks. Our special guests today are John Krogman, Rick Keir, and Teresa Saldana, along with Jesse LeDrew, Ty Christian, and me, Adam Wiesenfarth. Today's topic is fixing your sadly broken computer. You could call the help desk, but why not call us instead? Broadcasting live and local on 91.7 FM and worldwide on WSUM.org. Please welcome my co-host, Ty Christian. Hey, everybody out there. How's it going? Welcome to Do It Live, the most connected radio show on the planet. I am Ty Christian, and today we're going to talk tech and a bunch of other fun things. And boy, is it cold out there! Holy crap! Oh my God! It, it, why? Why is it so cold out there, Jesse? I, uh, why is it so cold? <laughs> it's Wisconsin in the winter. Oh, is that what he said? Oh, he's not on. All right, all right. I guess he said it's Wisconsin in the winter. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, Adam, it is Wisconsin Adam, in the winter. Adam, does that make does that make sense to you? Well, it is Wisconsin. It is winter time. So. Oh. Gosh, I wish it. I almost wish it wasn't. So anyway, uh, we are we are the most connected uh, radio show on the planet. Check us out at doit.wist.edu forward slash radio. We have sixteen one six different ways for you to get in touch with us. Check us. Uh, check all of them out at doit.wist.edu slash radio. Give us a call or text us at six zero eight five one five eight seven six eight. That's six zero eight five one five eight seven six eight. Or email us at radio at doit.wist.edu. Again, that's radio at doit.wist.edu. And today we're going to be talking about fixing your broken computer. But first and foremost, it is Jesse with the news. So what happened today? Anyone know? Anyone remember what was supposed to happen? I didn't get to look at any news today. No, really? You have no idea what's happening today? Uh, well, I, mean, I know that Google wants to copy stuff and, and other people can't copy Google stuff. But that's the only thing I really read today. In well, it's another week and another Apple story. Oh, of course. Apple. Um, because, of course, uh, for Verizon, the iPhone is available. <gasps> Yay! Oh, my God! Oh, my goodness! At least it's available in stores. People have been able to pre-order it. Uh, one of the things that surprised most people is it was not as popular, I guess, as many people were expecting. They kind of wanted to see the the huge lines that they saw before, mm. but it really didn't happen, and oh, there's it, it probably is, a few reasons. It is the 10th today, isn't it? It is. So, And, and there was so much demand the first time they released it that they halted sales until today again, correct? Yeah, and people could pre-order last week on the 3rd, um, and a lot of people are thinking there. there's probably a few reasons for uh, the smaller turnout. One could be the cold, so people didn't want to wait outside in the cold. That's probably a, a, a minimal thing, but... Also, you know, a new iPhone, potentially in four to five months. Why buy one now when you can get a, uh, a new version 3 the, when it, or version 5 when it comes out? The 5G that lets you pay by touch like the credit cards, some of the credit cards now let mm-hmm. you do. Yeah, and, that it, and it'll hopefully allow you to do that, and we'll see where it's going to be used. Presumably, uh, because we, you know, until Apple releases something, we can't say for sure that they will have these particular features because you don't know. And, you know, as a tech guy, I like to be on sometimes on the bleeding edge, but... I gotta say, you know, usually I wait at least a couple months when the new thing comes out just to make sure it's not like riddled with bugs or or whatever, you know, just to kind of get some reviews and whatnot before I start to start diving into it hardcore. But I was really excited 
about uh, the Verizon announcement, the iPhone announcement, because I've got an iPod uh, Touch and I've got a Verizon phone. And so now I just have to have one thing in my pocket, and that's great. And, I mean, uh, one of the other reasons people think there wasn't a huge turnout is, I mean, people have existing contracts. Um, so, you know, people thought people may try to switch from AT&T to Verizon mm -hmm. uh, for other reasons. Um, but, you know, people either in AT&T or the Verizon world have contracts. They don't want to switch out their phone because of the extra cost. Um, and that could be one of the other reasons for the, um, I guess, the lack of popularity people were expecting. Or you could be like me and be eagerly awaiting the Verizon iPhone because I'm very happy with my current Verizon service, but I'm dreading what the actual cost is going to be for the plans. <laughs> because I know, it, you know, if you have an iPhone through AT&T, you're probably paying 70, 80 bucks a month, if not more. Um, so that's just a, a lot of money to spend on your phone, in my personal opinion, anyway. So what else, what else is going on in the news today, Jesse? Uh, one of the things we probably didn't cover last week, but should have, um, so last Thursday morning, uh, the last five uh, subnets for IP version 4 were given out. It uh, basically means we have no, R more, no more IP space. They were given out to other registrars to hand out um, to other companies or individuals around the world, um, although now... Uh, the big focus is trying to upgrade to IP version 6. So you're saying there are no more IPv4 addresses, traditional IP addresses, as anybody might know them, left to give out to anybody? Uh, correct. I mean, they're uh, given out to... <sighs> That's so sad. <laughs> they're uh, given out to uh, registrars to, you know, hand out to other companies or ISPs. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, essentially, yeah, they, the entire space is um, depleted. Um, and, the yeah, the big thing people are talking about and been talking about for years is IP version 6. Um, which we, should, has, we should probably ex just do a quick, you know, explanation for all the non-nerds out there about I, what, what we're talking about exactly, IPv4 versus IPv6. It's kind of like, you know, if you had, uh, if everybody's block, um, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the world were, uh, uh, you know, all of your house numbers only had three numbers on them, you know, so you could be like 104, 105, 106, and then the next block was 204, 205, 206, that kind of thing. Well, eventually you'd run out of, you know, house block numbers, and that's what we've done with IPv4. There's so many things out there right now that connect to the internet that we're kind of running out of um, these things called IP addresses, which are kind of like addresses, you know, on, on a house. And, um, and part of it is because it's not only your computers that need an IP address, but it's your your iPhone, your iPod Touch, your refrigerator, per, you know, possibly. I, yeah. I'm not kidding. There are internet-connected refrigerators out there. My TV has an IP. Sure. Yeah. And uh, part of it is mitigated by the fact that you have a router, so really if you're in your own house, you're only taking up one IP address, that's a, a pretty good generalization out of the the pool of however many there are, which is somewhere in the millions or tens of millions, but it's not nearly enough to satiate the need that everybody has for internet connectivity. Right, and with this new, with IPv6, there is, um, this, I, this new IP uh, uh, space basically supports a total of 2 to the 128th, that's about 3.4 times 10 to the 38th addresses, uh, that's actually, uh, in a different perspective, it, for every ob observable star in the known universe, that is two to the 52 IP addresses for each star. Oh, my goodness. So each star has two to the 52 IP addresses. Wow. So can you say what that number means? Yeah, lots of gazillions, IPs. <laughs> billions and jillions and lots gazillions. Lots and lots of IPs for everybody. <laughs> 
we're probably covered for at least another 10 years now. That's Rick here. He's one of our guests in the studio. We have Teresa Saldana also in studio with us today. We're going to talk to her a little bit later about what she does all day, which is repair computers. So if you want to give us a call right now, uh, you can call us at 608-515-8768. 608-515-8768. You can also email us radio at doit.wist.edu, radio at doit.wist.edu. We will answer your questions about most anything. But we do have a couple more news stories. So, Jesse, what, what else is going on in this week in tech? Uh, we'll just give uh, another one out really quick. Uh, this is a little bit more amusing. So uh, who has a PS3 at home? Anyone? Not me. Not me. Well, uh, one thing that Lame. I found... <laughs> so one thing I found, which, you know, mine has an IP address, by the way. Um, oh! But... Uh, one interesting thing came up uh, on the uh, Sony Twitter account. Um, apparently, somebody actually uh, submitted a, a jailbreak code, uh, jailbreak code to uh, the Sony website, <gasps> and the uh, individual actually responded to it and retweeted that post. So they retweeted the jailbreak code for the PS3, um, and a lot of people actually found this out before they took it off the site. And uh, even now, if you go to a, a lot of different news sites, you'll actually see the the screenshot of that code. And so Sony's trying to fix this, and you know they've been concerned with people hacking their devices, so people can try to do things they shouldn't be doing on the device. Um, but yeah, they kind of accidentally let it out there a little bit further than it should be. Sorry, was that a Sony employee who retweeted this? Is that what I heard? Yes, it was. Because wow. they, they actually retweeted it from the Sony Twitter account. So it was posted on their Twitter account and they retweeted it. That I guess is, what they said was is that the guy the guy didn't know exactly what it was. He just thought it was something having to do with PS3 and he's like, oh, you know, this is a good PR and then threw it up there and whoops. Wow. And jailbreak codes usually are used to, you know, kind of Change the machine so that you could you, you like burn a, a DVD of you know your friend's game. You can make a copy because you know if you if you use it on Xbox or uh, if you take take a burned DVD and put it on your Xbox or put it on your PS3, usually won't work. You usually can't play burned copies of games. You know and there's a reason for that. Yeah, it's called but, copy protection. Exactly. But with this code, you now can. And Sony gave it out accidentally. Yep. Oops. Womp womp. All right, gentlemen uh, and ladies in studio. We have ladies in the studio, too. Our <laughs> lovely producer, Sandy, is also alongside giving us a hand today. We like to give her her due credit. Um, <laughs> but um, a little earlier in the week, we sat down with John Krogman, our chief operating officer of Do It, and uh, just had a little chat with him. And uh, sadly, he was not able to come into the studio because of a scheduling conflict. But we wanted to at least bring you his thoughts on a couple of different areas. So off we go. We're here with John Krogman, Chief Operating Officer of Do It. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks. So um, we wanted to have you on, really, to sort of introduce our listening audience to Do It and what Do It does and all of the different facets. So do you want to give us a, a quick rundown of some of the things that we do? Sure. Um, do It is the, the central IT organization on campus, and I think uh, probably most students are most familiar by the way they access information on campus. Uh, through Learn at UW, through my web space, through email, webmail, um, those sorts of things I think students are most familiar with. But I think kind of behind the scenes, what they don't know is that Doit runs the two major data centers on campus. We run the campus backbone and network. We run uh, uh, the television services uh, for those folks living in the residence halls. We run telephones across campus and, and lots of, of consulting and IT support uh, as well. Uh, in addition, we run a number of enterprise services for UW System, 
uh, including the financial system, the new HR system that's coming online. HRS. Uh, exactly. And we run uh, uh, regionally the network for uh, WISCnet, which is the uh, um, research and education network that most of the K-12s and all the public universities use in the state of Wisconsin. And that connects regionally to a network called Boreas, which we share with uh, Iowa, Iowa State, Minnesota. And that network connects uh, to what we call the Northern Tier, which is the uh, high-speed optical network that runs from Chicago to uh, Seattle, Washington. And we actually monitor those networks uh, and run them, uh, the majority of that path, uh, right of our network operations center here on campus. So how many, how many physical locations of DOIT staff do we have scattered around? Um, there are about, oh, I would say four main locations on campus. Um, most of us are located in uh, the Comp Sciences building, uh, unit number two, just off of Dayton Street. But we also have uh, some academic technology folks in, in what's called the old Luther building. That's the purple building just off of uh, University and Johnson Streets. Um, and we also have our printing folks that are located uh, near the Cole Center. Uh, we have some folks that are working on HRS that are at uh, Park Street and Regent Street and a couple other places. And then we have little satellite locations across campus, too. But those are the major locations uh, where we're, uh, folks can find us. And I hear that... Uh do it also offer some uh, printing services? Uh, we do. Interestingly enough, um, you know, folks will ask me once in a while, what's the most unusual service that we offer? And a lot of folks don't know that uh, uh, Do It offers, uh, has the largest printing shop in the state of Wisconsin right here on campus. Wow. And, and in addition to, you know, this is the standard stuff that folks are familiar with, you know, uh, course guides and posters and things of that nature. Um, what they also do is they provide uh, a lot of materials for both uh, visually impaired and hearing impaired students throughout the nation. There are a number of universities that utilize our printing services to, you know, if it's a textbook that, uh, that they need an audio of, if, if it's uh, visually enhanced materials, uh, they'll use the services here. Um, so it's a, it's a nationwide service, actually. That's really cool. So, so tell us. Uh, you know, we mentioned that uh, you mentioned that Do It uh, offers a lot of different types of services to campus. Um, I guess other than email, what uh, what service do you think you'd say that you'd use the most or you couldn't live without? Well, a lot of folks right now would say the MyUW app uh, that uh, they can download. And it was interesting uh, during the poor weather we had last week. We had a had a spike in the number of of uh, downloads that oh. we had for the MyUW app. But certainly, at least in an operational standpoint from, from where I sit, uh, the storage, uh, the online storage that I use is, is critical to, to the work that I do. But I think from the student standpoint, it's probably the My UW app that they're having the most fun with. These so days. do you have that on, are you an Apple guy or an Android guy? I'm or? an Android guy. Oh, we, we, okay. we only have the Apple version now, but the Android version is in development. There's a lot of pressure. On the on the do it and communication staff uh, because Directly from I don't you, right because right, I don't have the Android <laughs> app yet so I'm looking forward to that because uh, the Apple app's been very popular in fact it's been downloaded in dozens of countries already we've noticed uh, which is pretty cool yeah, I've had actually people come up and ask me are they only doing it for the iPhone or are they going to do it for Android too and I'm I'm happy to say that they are so we uh, are we are we will not do it for the BlackBerry that's uh, uh, not a, a popular handheld, uh, particularly for students at Access Campus. Mm -hmm. We're going to concentrate on, on the uh, Apple and Android versions. And do you have a, an expected time frame for when we're going to get that? Actually, within a few weeks, we hope to have a oh. prototype out for the Android. So Excellent. Uh, maybe by the end of February. I've used it on my iPod. I, I really like it, it's, uh, especially the buses. Oh, man. The, it's, it's really nice just to be able to you know hit, like, where are my bus stops near me? And then, boom. 
right. all of them come up and right. you can check the schedules and right and we're hoping in version 2.0 you actually can pull up the schedules in the bus stops now but in the next version we're hoping you can actually track the buses themselves yeah we're working with madison metro on that so hopefully uh, folks will see that down the line that's very cool very cool john krogman chief operating officer of do it thanks so much thanks guys thank you and a big thanks again to John Krogman, our operating officer, our chief, op, chief operating <laughs> officer. I can't talk today. I'll just, I just say head honcho, big cheese, grand poobah if you're into uh, um, Flintstones terms. But anyway, we are about to go to break. We will be right back with more Do It Live. Brother and me were in the living room, busy coloring chairs that we lay on. No signs of gloom, a quiet affair that is until I borrow. For another farm safety tip from WSUM 917 Madison, the snake on the lake. Pesticides should be stored in a locked shed or room that has adequate ventilation. Additionally, any manure storage facility, such as a pond or slurry pit, should be fenced and have warning signs posted. This message brought to you by the snake on the lake, WSUM Madison 91.7 FM. Hey, we're back. Welcome back. Let's have Bill O'Reilly bring us back in here. <laughs> I'm try- oh, he- Do it live. Do it live. Can you say that again with a little bit more vigor, Bill? Do it live. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. We are back. 
with Do It Live. And in, in our in our studio right now, we've got special guest, Teresa Saldana. Say hi, Teresa. Hello. All right. Teresa is going to read our wonderful PSAs out there to the listeners. So go ahead in your best radio voice if you can. <laughs> the opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Products and services provided by the Division of Information Technology, a.k.a. DOIT, and other university departments may only be available to students, faculty, staff, or those currently affiliated with UW-Madison. Participants of this broadcast may offer opinions or recommendations. However, they do not endorse, nor has any consideration been provided on behalf of the products or services discussed. Well done. Thank you, Teresa. So you're, you work in our repair department, is that correct? This is correct. And you basically fix computers all day, right? Uh, no, that's not actually my job. That's the job of the technicians in the shop. I take care of the customer service, logistics, uh, vendor management. Uh, so basically all the front end aspects of our business. And so you're involved with ordering parts and making sure that customers get their things on time and all that sort of thing. Yep. Taking phone calls. What's what's your phone number? My phone number is two hey, six. Wait a minute. <laughs> what is well, that? I was going to say. What, yeah. is their, yeah. what is their phone, phone number? number? Yeah. yeah. Oh, do okay. Pa- do it repair and well, desktop support. Well, that's the number I was going to give out anyway. I, I thought you might. <laughs> it is my desk number. So if you do call it, it is likely you'll get me. So our phone number is two six three rads, which is two six three seven two three seven. Excellent. So we talked a lot about. I mean, do a repair. What What is it? What do they do? Well, uh. Do It Repair uh, works on desktops, laptops. Uh, we do warranty support for Dell and Apple. So if you have a Dell or Apple machine that is under warranty, we're happy to service it for you. Uh, we also do out of warranty work for virtually any computer manufacturer. So HP, Sony, you name it, you can bring it in and we're, we can take a look at it. And we also do repair on uh, uh, printers for departments. So. Yeah. What about and, things like uh, iPods, iPads, oh, that kind of stuff? What no, is, no, no. We we do not crack those open. Those little Pandora <laughs> boxes. We don't open those. Oh boy. Those have to be serviced at uh, an Apple store. You can give Apple a call. And uh, I'm guessing the the services that Do It Repair provides are only available to uh, UW Madison faculty, staff, and students, as well as UW Madison departments. Correct. This is true. So what what uh do you have any funny repair stories? Do you have anything that you've like found inside of a computer or anything like that uh, that you can share with the audience? What what was the most interesting thing you had ever had a customer admit to spilling into their oh, computer? That's a good oh, one. for spill damage. Oh, uh, lots of things. I think. Uh, um, let's see, hot chocolate. That's a fun one because <laughs> it le- when when it dries, it leaves uh, all the the powder inside. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so that's kinda, a good one. Were there mini marshmallows inside as well? No, mini it... marshmallows. Oh. I think there was a computer that in the the CD drive we found some coins. Yeah, I so, can I imagine that. You know, I, I I will tell you the best one I ever had. I had a, a young lady admit to that she had spilled her apple martini into her. Uh, lap. Yeah, oh. yeah. We we get those too. Yes, perhaps other things is what happens. But anyway, um, so could you go through the main parts of a computer? Because typically I I say there's six or seven main components of a computer which may fail at some point. Could you go through what those might be? Uh, Sure. So uh, let's see. We can start with the, there's obviously the screen that's on a laptop or the monitor if you have a desktop. Uh, 
Then there's the the motherboard, so that's the main board in the computer that that runs everything. Uh, then there's also the RAM, so that, and then um, trying to think of other things, optical drive, so that's where you put all your CDs and DVDs that can fail. Um, and uh, the big one is your hard drive, uh, and that's got to be one of the scariest component failures you can experience. And it's mo one of the most common. Am I am I correct about that? I would say that's one of the most common. And the reason that that's a big problem is because that's where your digital life is stored. That's where all your photos, your email, your music, your anything that you do on your computer lives. So if you don't have that available to your computer, it doesn't work. Correct. Can you tell us about some reasons why a hard drive would fail? Why a hard drive would fail? Well, uh, a hard drive, unlike, except well, except for the optical drive, it has moving parts inside of it. So the RAM doesn't move, motherboard doesn't move, nothing inside the LCD moves. But in the hard drive, there's a disk that actually spins. So uh, as the computer heats up and it cools down and the the pieces inside, you know, they when they heat up, they expand and contract. I mean, after time, these components can fail and they start uh, just not working right and then that's when you would start to experience failure. Also if you were to have your computer on or using your hard drive and you were to put it in your backpack and go mountain biking with it probably. <laughs> oh yes, like, would not advise shaking. Yeah, jostling. Uh, yeah, don't don't <laughs> shake your computer. <laughs> yeah, normally moving your computer around when it's on is not the greatest idea and I think one of the common things we probably see it a lot is, you know, some people have hard drives that fail all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, is it the person or is it the computer? Um, and it may just be kind of a behavioral thing where, you know, you put your computer to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, you normally have to wait till that point where it's, you know, blinking nicely for you, letting you know it's actually asleep. At that point, you also know the hard drive stopped moving. Right. So you always definitely want to close the computer mm -hmm. and wait until it stopped and then go ahead and move it and that's probably one of the other common things that happens you know the, all those moving parts you don't want to jostle it around and mm -hmm. have pl platters splinter all over the place and yeah because your hard drive is spinning the entire time your computer is on it's like it, it's kind of like a record player for all of us who might remember mm -hmm. record players from back in the day or, or turntables huh? <laughs> yes, Hello. yes grandpa ty we had the records back then oh. um, or but, you know like the portable cd walkmans remember yeah. you shake those around and they start skipping yeah it's so concept. Although your laptop is portable, it's not designed to be used unless you happen to have a solid state drive, which is sort of the new hotness out these days. Which uh, does not have moving parts inside of it, correct. just to clarify. Yeah, so that's like, uh, it's similar to the flash drive that you might have in your camera or in some sort of MP3 player. It's, it's non-volatile memory. It doesn't have any moving parts. It's just chips. Mm -hmm. And now there are manufacturers who are building hard drives out of those instead of out of spindles with you know, uh, a spindle is a hard drive but without platters and, and rewrite heads and all the things that make it look like a record player so we were talking earlier about like you know favorite spills on the computer and uh -huh. i guess probably not favorite for the user but favorite no. for us <laughs> um now are there any warranties out there that cover you know spill damage accidental damage uh my roommate stepped on my lcd kind of damage anything like that okay sure so obviously since we're dell and apple certified to work on their machines under warranty uh apple does not offer uh any kind of damage protection on their machines but dell does offer complete care warranty which means that yes you can spill on it you can drop your laptop um you know any manner of things any kind of accidents that can happen to it and dell will cover that for you so we can service those if you do bring them in cool 
So I'd say, you know, I, I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that usually buys warranties. Like, I don't buy warranties on my, you know, TVs or refrigerators or anything like that. But, man, laptops, I, I buy warranties on laptops, I you know, just personally. Yes, I, I oh. highly recommend buying warranty for your laptop because the cost of repairs for a machine outside of warranty often are as expensive as the extended warranty, if not a lot more. Wow, great. Hey, uh, we have some breaking news here. We actually have, Do It has a pair of tickets to the men's basketball uh, game on Saturday with Ohio State. It's amazing. And all you have to do to win them is you just have to go on our Facebook page and leave us a comment. It's facebook.com forward slash U-W-D-O-I-T, like University of Wisconsin Division of Information Technology, facebook.com slash U-W-Do-It. Comment, and you could win yourself a pair of basketball tickets. And the other thing, too, is we do have open phone lines right now. You can give us a call, 608-515-8768. You can also text us at, at that number, and we will answer your question right on the air. But if anybody who gets in contact with us during the show today, we, we will be giving away to one of our listeners a lovely Bucky Badger emblazoned iPhone case. Yes. To uh, anybody who gets in touch with us during the show. So um, you've either got to provide us with a phone number or an email address so that we can get in contact with you. But uh, that's available to us now. And we have some breaking news right now. So, uh, Ty, what's going on with Google and Bing? Okay, so this is this is pretty pretty interesting. Google has accused Bing, Microsoft's Bing, the search engine, of stealing results from Google, of, of piggybacking off of, of their work. Say what? That's right. That's right, kids. Oh, no, is what they said. So basically what Google did is they, they made they, – they were – they were under the assumption, hey, maybe maybe Bing might be stealing our search results. So what they did is they made search results come up for random sets of characters. So they were like, you know, HQRFFFPFPQRRT, you know, would be like a random set of characters. And they would actually make search results come up for that. So then uh, they would check Bing's site to see if the same search result came up in Bing's, you know, if you search for HQRRFRRT, would, if that would come up in Bing as well as Google, and turns out took only about a week and a half for it to come up in Bing search results. So basically what the jury is saying is that Google, uh, Bing is stealing some of Google's search results. And, and the, the ironic thing is Google, pretty much what they've made their name on is going and reprinting everybody else's websites, right? Exactly. So it's kind of ironic that they don't want you to copy stuff off of their website, but they're doing it to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hilarity. So joining us in the studio, because we were talking with Teresa about repair, but before you get to the repair stage, what you really should be doing is backing up your computer because it's one of the most important things you can do if you own a computer. And in the studio, we have with us one of my colleagues, Rick Keir, who was a consultant with us at the Do It Tech Store. And Rick, how you doing today? Good. Excellent. Cold. It's it's a little chilly out there. I agree. So we were talking a little bit earlier before the show, but do you want to go through some of the reasons why one should back up their computer? Sure. There are any number of people that I see every day who are walking into our help desk and repair service, and either one, their hard drive failed, or two, they got malware on their computer, and they're possibly looking at certainly having the computer unavailable for a while and possibly having to scrub everything on there and just reinstall from scratch and try and recover their files. So, you know, stuff bad stuff happens to people every day. That's why there's all those businesses out there that are in the repair business. If you have a repair, you want to be prepared for it. Earlier, you, 
Adam used the phrase, it's your digital life. And uh, this ironically happened to a friend of mine this week, so I have some firsthand experience at it. Uh, fortunately, she lives in Silicon Valley, has a lot of geeky friends, and so when her machine went out, she was actually quite prepared. So she had a full backup of her machine onto a hard drive. So you know, her, her machine went down with malware. She had another drive that had all of her data on it. Like an external hard drive, something like that? Yep. And then secondly, also, she lives in an area where, you know, in the Oakland Hills, where you have wildfire, things like that, people have been burned out before. It turns out a second copy of her hard drive, periodically, every few months, she visits Southern California, and she leaves a drive down there and then brings back the old drive at the end of her visit. So if there's a fire in her area, it's off-site. And then also, just because when you need to work, you may not have a spare computer to reinstall everything from your other computer on, she kept her critical files on, you know, as they say, in the cloud. Right. In so this case, she was using a service called Dropbox. There's other ones out there like Box. Microsoft has a service, Microsoft Live. They provide you some amount of storage on the web plus a client that will automatically take anything you put into a specific spot on your hard drive. So like in the case of Dropbox, there's a folder called My Dropbox. Throw something into there. And, and it's automatically copied up onto the web. The, the magic cloud that we were talking about last week. And so then it's available no matter if your computer is stolen, if it dies. It's, it's living hopefully somewhere on the cloud safe and sound. Yeah. And, and so when she needed stuff. to get a document back right away, right after it went down, she just went over to a friend's, opened up their web browser, logged into Dropbox, and her files were just sitting all copied out, you know, the, except for like the things she'd been doing 60 seconds before the computer went down. Every single file had been copied up there because it keeps it in sync whenever it's on the computer. So we've sort of covered two ways you can back up your computer on an external hard drive, which we generally recommend to everybody, into some sort of off-site service, the cloud, uh, if you like. And can you give me some other ways that you could back up your computer, short-term or long-term? Sure. Another thing to do for long-term storage is if you have stuff you really don't want to lose and it's, you know, I would say permanent records. So, for example copies of your taxes once you're done with them, family photos, movies that you've shot of your kids on a digital camera or, v or something, anything like that, burn them onto a DVD, put the DVD someplace safe. You know, stick them into a safety deposit box, leave them with somebody other than your house. Uh, the one place you don't want your, your only backup to be is on your desk next to your computer. Because if you have a fire, um, I've talked to students who you know, they had their apartment broken into, Somebody takes out your desk, they're probably taking out your backup if it's sitting right next to the computer on your desk. So you really want it someplace else. Now, also, you know, we've there, there's been some concerns of people saying, okay, I've got a backup, but, you know, this is kind of private stuff like my tax returns. I don't know if I really want that getting out. You know, to you know, maybe maybe you're living with a roommate, maybe you're living with a bunch of guys in a house or a bunch of girls in a house, and you suspect maybe one of them is going to jump in your room, you know, grab your external hard drive, plug it into their computer, and I don't know, take your pictures or your tax returns or something. Is there something that you can do to like, you know, to guard yourself against that, to make sure that they're not going to be stealing your, your data off of your backup drive? There is the UW security campaign for the last couple of years has been find it, delete it, protect it. First thing, you have to know what you have. And you can use a tool like Identity Finder. There's free downloads students can get from the university. That will help you find any files on your drive that might have your credit card, social security numbers, information like that in it. Second thing is delete it. If you don't need that anymore, just get rid of the file. You can't have stolen things that you got rid of. And then the last thing is for the remaining stuff, stuff you actually have to keep around, encrypt it. Do something to keep it protected. 
Uh, if you're using, say, a zip program, many zip programs let you put a password on so that it can't be un unzipped until, you're, until you've decrypted it. There are both personal and enterprise-level encryption programs that encrypt your whole hard drive. An example would be Apple's File Vault. Um, Windows 7 has support in some of the editions for encrypting the entire hard drive. Uh, as an individual, you may find it better to go with something like I believe Ty was talking about TrueCrypt just before the show. Yeah, TrueCrypt. I've, I've used TrueCrypt. If you, it's uh, not actually supported directly by Duo, but if you guys want to try it out, uh, the, the, everyone that's uh, listening there, it's pretty neat. It's an encryption program uh, that's you know kind of designed to give you sort of a false hard drive, as it were, and you just dump all your files into that fake hard drive, and then when you're done, you hit uh, you know zip it up or you hit encrypt it, and boom, it's it's encrypted, and it, they actually use pretty good encryption. It's like military grade encryption on on TrueCrypt and it's free so it's something you guys want to try out try type it in google or maybe bing because then they'll steal the google search results for it and you'll, you'll get there anyway <laughs> so uh yeah another uh another thing you can actually do it's kind of similar to TrueCrypt in that respect is you can use disk utility to create an encrypted um disk image file and store your data on it that way so it's just you know like looks like an external hard drive it's encrypted and uh, you can store it somewhere else or on your local machine if you want to but no one can get into it unless they have that uh, password mm -hmm. yeah, one last thought since we're on this is we're talking really about individual solutions this is not what you should be doing if you are talking about a department if you're talking about you know your your business's data um, where losing your data or your computer may entail hundreds of thousands of dollars of losses there's other things you want to do at that scale certainly for backing up somebody else's personal data. If you've got anybody's records, you're doing research or things like that, has got personal information, then definitely there are more secure things you need to do. It's one thing to lose your credit card. You might have to reset one credit card. If you lose all the credit cards that came through your restaurant, hey. that's an entirely different matter and much, much worse in terms of liability. All right, excellent. Well, Rick, thanks so much for coming into the studio. Uh, we've got uh, some email appearing right in front of me that says please say happy birthday to jeff wiltzius do it nerd extraordinaire and my big brother so jeff my next door neighbor and next door cube neighbor we wanted to wish you happy birthday thanks very much <laughs> thanks kids all right we're going to take a quick break we will be back with more do it live
Wisconsin's biggest moments, WSUM Sports was there. Badgers a 5-0 lead and just over 10 seconds remaining. Puck rolls down into the Mercyhurst zone and Pattenden touches it one last time. Five seconds left, left wing boards taking it up ice is pro. The Wisconsin Badgers pour onto the ice for the third time in four seasons. They are national champions! Badgers mob Jesse Better and their goal. Five to nothing, Wisconsin over Mercyhurst and national championship number three! For Wisconsin's biggest moments, WSUM is there. WSUM, 91.7 FM Madison. And welcome back to Do It Live, the Do It radio show where we talk tech and nothing else or uh, some other things but mostly tech <laughs> <laughs> so anyway we are back in the studio here with Teresa Saldana but before we get to her i want to say that we need contestants or not contestants i guess but we need we need people to play stump the geek this is the part of our show where you get to contact us through one of the many ways on our website or you can give us a call 608-515-8768 you get to pick a geek you can be me adam jesse or teresa uh, and then uh, you ask the hardest tech question that you can possibly think of. Uh, if you can stump us, then we will mail you a cookie. 
Yes, we will. We a, will. A genuine cookie through the actual mail mm-hmm. while it's still around. Or you can just come, you know, come pick up a cookie at Do It or at, at a, in a radio in our radio station here. But anyway, give us a call or shoot us an email uh, at radio at do it. You let us know uh, your hardest tech question and we will and try to stump us. Yeah, and if you give us a call, you are eligible to win a lovely iPhone 4 case that we've got with uh, Bucky Badger on it. It's red. It's sitting right in front of me here. And then also, if you want to win yourself a pair of Ohio State tickets um, this Saturday, men's basketball, you can go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash U-W-D-O-I-T. And our fabulous on-air producer, Matt Rock, is telling us that they will be covering that live and in person as well. So, so we're keep back. your radio dialed here to WSUM. 91.7 FM and WSUM.org. The Snake on the Lake is where we are. It's fabulous. So, And also fabulous and in the studios, Teresa Saldana, and uh, talking about repair. Mm-hmm. And so we had some, some good questions. Is it easier to repair a Mac than a PC? Uh, you know, that depends on the model. So it's it's tough to say but because some computers are are harder to deconstruct than others yes this is true do you get more pcs than max or max than pcs i mean what's the what's the statistics like in repair right now i'd say it's pretty even but i i think that Macs are on the rise we are seeing quite a few more of those now is that because i mean is that because you know you're seeing more hardware failures on it or do you think it's just because they're more popular on campus i think it's because they're more popular on campus i wouldn't say that Dells versus Macs fail more one than the other. They may have specific failures that are more common for each, but I wouldn't say one one over the other. No. Okay. And we were talking earlier uh, with Rick a, a little bit about you know preventative issues for your software for your you know your data. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us any preventative uh, measures that you could take for your hardware? Well, like, you know. How not to break your computer 101 with Teresa Saldana. Okay, well, a good thing to have for your laptop is a case or a sleeve. So that'll help to protect if, you know, you drop it or it falls. Uh, another thing just to keep in mind is just keep it in sight in general. Don't leave it at the, the library day. when you're going to the bathroom, just on a desk somewhere. Yeah, and you don't leave it in your car. Don't, I mean... Especially you know, on a day like today, on right? On a day like today or in the middle of the summer. It gets really hot. You you know, you don't want a melty computer when you get back to the car. <laughs> More than 100 degrees and computers do not like that at all. I don't yeah. know. I've seen the new Apple iMelts. Those are pretty... <laughs> those are pretty nice. So pretty much think about it, at least with temperature and weather, if you wouldn't want to be there, your computer shouldn't be there either. Okay. Okay. And even within that operating computer outside in the cold, you have mm-hmm. even tighter tolerances. You really should be in some place that's at least, what, 40, 50 degrees yes. Fahrenheit before you operate mm-hmm. a computer. Yeah. Now, for a while, I think uh, s- some of Do It Security was uh, was doing a little uh, a little deal where they were giving out free stickers, uh, you know, to put on your computer to prevent, you know, uh, to to prevent people from stealing them or, or, or you know to kind of make it your own. Do you know anything about that, or is it, you know is it a good deal to uh, to maybe you know uh, I don't know decal up your uh, your computer or maybe engrave it on the bottom? Have you seen to do, you know many many people doing that or putting stickers on it to kind of because I mean you know what I'm saying is is every every Macintosh laptop looks the exact same oh, yeah. as every other Macintosh laptop yep. and the same with a lot of the Dells too I mean you know there's you can, you can buy the same model and it'll look exactly the same mm-hmm. as you know Pete down the street or whatever mm-hmm. is your neighbor uh, well I would say that with the machines that come in we do see a fair amount of personalization so we see stickers we see large decals and some of them are pretty awesome looking 
<laughs> and but it also makes your computer easy to identify. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, when, which is, I mean, that's important. When you're going through the security line and their your neighbor also has a 13-inch MacBook Pro, what's going to say that you're not picking up his instead of mm-hmm. yours, or even your roommates? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've, I guess I've heard that it deters. You know, theft. If if it's uh, if there's a sticker on there that makes it easily identifiable. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, Jesse, have you heard anything about like you, you know anything about about that uh, that the psychology behind that or anything like that? The psychology behind stickers. Yeah, stickers on your laptop. Yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it makes sense if you have a, a sticker with you know a pig dancing and it, it happens to be purple and blue and no one else has it. It you know makes it easier for you to. Uh, know it's yours, but I mean, a lot of people just do the simplest thing too. They have a sticker that actually has their address or their contact information. So even if um, you know it may not be somebody doing something bad and trying to steal it, but people actually know who to contact should they mm-hmm. find it. So the, right. the people who actually do want to return your information can can do that if they oh, choose. Okay. Uh, some people choose to do it, you know, under the battery, so mm-hmm. somebody won't look for it right away. Ah. Um, and I mean, you can put it in plain sight, or you can hide a little bit, depending on uh, what you're trying to guard against. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, people use software, you know, uh, LoJack or mm-hmm. something else to be mm-hmm. able to find out. Oh, hey, I got a picture of the person who stole my laptop. Sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we've all seen those, yeah, those those online uh, stories about people being able to t- take pictures of the people that stole your laptop. Yeah, it's a little, that's that's very, uh, that's very awesome. Yeah, you'd getting... be surprised if you steal a laptop and you don't know what you're doing with it, but the uh, the actual user of the computer knows ways to find you. Uh, you you may wind up finding yourself <laughs> on the internet very quickly. Um, there you and go. Have people that are looking for you. Uh, in worst case scenario, do you, uh, like what is a. Uh, what kind of information should everybody write down and keep somewhere else about their, you know, their laptop or their desktop? You know, in the in the event maybe it does get stolen. I would definitely say warranty information, uh, your serial number. So if you do lose it, call up Dell, call up Apple, and say, "Hey, my machine's missing. This is the machine that we're looking for." Another thing I'd recommend is uh, this is kind of a techie thing, but they have something called a MAC address, um, MAC. Um, it's Media Unique. access control. Yes, media access mm-hmm. control. It's basically an address for your network card. doesn't change. Right. Um, always record that, too, at least for your, mm-hmm. your wireless network card as well as if you have a built-in network. Because if they hit the network and there's other reporting that can be done, it's possible if it's um, somewhere else in the world, it may actually allow someone to track it down. Um, I mean, that you need a decent amount of access to get that information mm-hmm. um, from an ISP or something, but it may help. Right. Yeah. So your computer won't start up. It gets a blue screen of death. Something Ooh. something happens. Are are you just totally? Let me use a technical term here. Hosed. I mean, is your data <laughs> gone? Or is there any hope in sight? I'd say there's hope. Hey, that's yeah. good. So can you explain a little bit more about that? So if your computer's not turning on, I mean, what we were talking about earlier is that your data is stored on your hard drive. So if your computer is not turning on, that's that's a power issue, and it's almost certainly not related to the hard drive so at you know in our department what we can do if your computer fails and let's say you decide not to fix it or we or we can't get parts for it for some reason if it's really old we can pull the hard drive out and put it into enclosure convert that basically into an external hard drive and use that on another computer to access your data okay and what does a typical computer warranty cover? I know most computers come with a 90-day or one-year warranty mm-hmm. out of the box. You can get extended warranties, but right. it doesn't necessarily cover everything. So what does a typical warranty cover? A typical warranty covers part failures. So if things happen to fail, but 
they typically do not cover damage or liquid spill. And we see quite a good, we'd see a good number of those come in. And like we were talking about earlier, the only uh, warranty that covers that is the, the Dell Complete Care. Is that right? Yes. Okay. As, as far the, as I know. That's the only one that we at least service yes. in the Do It Tech Store and Help Desk and Repair and Desktop Support. Right. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for coming in. Rick, you know, not on the microphone, but also thank you for coming in. Um, do you want to plug your website or your phone number or anything again? Uh, uh, our our URL is doit.wisc.edu forward slash repair. Check us out. We've got tons of information up there, and we would love to hear from you. Excellent. Well, geez, gentlemen and ladies, the hour has flown by yet again. Thanks so much, Ty, for being here with us. You're welcome. As, I'm, as I'm you here are every, every week. week. <laughs> of course. You're, you're, you're welcome. Jesse, you're awesome. Great news this week as usual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're having fun here. It's live radio. So we'd like to give special thanks to our management team at the Division of Information Technology, Perry Brunelli, Edward Hooper, Brian Kister, Jack Leepak, Howie Mead, Brian Rust, and Bill Zimmerman. The Director of User Services is Kathy O'Brien. Dewitt's Chief Operating Officer is John Krogman. We'll have him on next week again, too. And our interim CIO for Vice and Vice Provost for Information Technology is Joanne Berg. Today's broadcast was produced by Sandy Cyberlick and Adam Wiesenfarth. Associate producers Ty Christian and Laura Grady. With assistance from Matthew Siriani and the Nates, Harrison Weber and Zastro. Our on-air producer and director of EV Communications is Matt Rockwell. Our staff photographers are Rick Keir and Chris Ugariza. Our theme music is from Conan. And the executive producer of the Do It Radio Show is Jesse LeGrew. Be sure to check us out next week. We will be talking about viruses, malware, all the nasties that make your computer unhappy and make it run slowly or not at all, and hopefully how to prevent that. In the meantime, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. With a beautiful wife, and you may ask yourself, well, how did I get
Hi, this is Jeremy from Shy to the Guns, and you're listening to WSUM, The Snake on the Lake. <laughs> 